What I want to talk to you today about is prayer. We used to have a saying, and I don't know if it's still current, that there were people that when you asked them what time it was, they build you a watch. The idea is that all you really want to know is what time it is. But this guy then goes into this long, elaborate explanation and way more information than you wanted. And it's sort of like he has to build you a watch in order to tell you what time it is. Well, this sermon's going to be like that. Because in order to understand prayer, you actually have to go back to the creation. And you also have to understand the difference between male and female. Now, God created the universe because God wanted companionship. He wanted somebody that wasn't him that could relate to him. That's sort of the whole purpose of the thing. And on the sixth day, when he created humanity, what humanity did was gave the creation the ability to speak. So you have sea and rocks and animals and all sorts of stuff. And the ability for the creation to speak back to God is in us. Now, male and female actually has nothing to do with plumbing. What it has to do with is function. Male is initiative. Female is executive. So in the case of God, who is male, he initiates. And the earth, which is feminine, responds and executes. You can see it in men and women. The man gives this really tiny seed to a woman, and then she takes that seed and she executes and produces a child. So masculine and feminine are initiative and executive, respectively. The earth is Adama, which is feminine in Hebrew. And, of course, Adam is male, that's masculine. But humanity is feminine to God's masculine. So men, women, boys, girls, ladies, gentlemen... With respect to God, we are feminine because we execute what he wants us to do. Again, it doesn't have anything to do with plumbing. It just has to do with our function. We are to bring things into being that God wants to have into being. So he gives the seed, the word, the idea. We then take that and execute. And therein is how we're going to get to prayer. I told you I was going to build you a watch in order to talk to you about prayer. So when God created Adam on the sixth day, He created him biologically male. And we had this whole thing where Adam checks out all the animals to try and find a helpmate. And it's interesting because God says it's not good for man to be alone. And I'm sort of parenthesizing, this is not in the scripture. It's not good for God to be alone either. That's why he created the universe. And when God decided not to be alone, he created the feminine, earth, in order to respond to him and execute. So when it's not good for man to be alone, what God creates is woman, the feminine. Everybody see the parallelism? He could have created another man and and had us do reproduction by parthenogenesis or dividing or cloning. I mean, there's a number of ways he could have handled the plumbing of reproduction. But the fact that he gave us man, the feminine woman, is a mirror of what he himself wanted. So what man is then, man, generic, feminine to God's masculine, is we are to respond to God. When he wants something done, he gives us the idea, the seed, the instructions, and we then take that and we execute and make it happen, just like the feminine in humanity. Now, I said that humanity's function is to give a voice to creation. 
We're also, in a sense, a transducer. For those of you who don't know transducers, transducers are things that convert one thing into another thing. Transmogrifier. So what we are is a connector between God and his creation. In addition to giving it its voice, we also have hands, and so when God wants something done, he operates the humanity. It's his policy. Now, he could have set it up another way, but he chose not to. And the fact that he chose not to, he then follows through on the way he decided to set it up. So when God does things in creation, he does it through us, through humanity, through people. So, for example, when Israel starts to go wobbly and go off the rails, God sends prophets who have a voice. And what the prophets then do is speak what God wants to happen, and as that finally gets all spoken out, then it can happen. Remember, he says, nothing happens except I tell my servants the prophets, right? So he uses us as a way to affect his creation. Now, one of the things that we do is we give God something that he can't make. You all who've grown up in the church said, God can do anything, right? Well, no, he can't. Sorry, he can't. One of the things that he cannot do is give himself respect. It's impossible. I have great respect for myself. I'm I'm really cool. I respect myself. I I do really good things. I'm, I'm really a good guy. And it means nothing unless... The respect comes from someone else. So in order for God to gain respect, he has to create something that is not him in order to give him that. And the same thing with love. In order for God to get and receive love, both both ways, get and receive, he has to create something that is not him because he can't give himself love and he can't give himself respect. So we have a function there that God wants to have set up, which is why he created us and created the universe. So, we have in scripture today, two examples. One is the blind guy who's sitting there and Yeshua walks by, and what does the blind guy do? So the blind guy prays, if you will, to Yeshua and says, have mercy on me. And what's the reaction of everybody else? Knock that off. Then we have the other one where Jacob is heading north, running away from his brother, and he shows up at a well that has three flocks of sheep around it, right? And the well is stopped up with a great big stone. And when he says, well, you ought to water the sheep and send them out, what do they say? No. So what I'm suggesting to you is in both cases, people are coming between something that somebody wants, and God. So you have this crowd that says, oh, cool it. You're too insignificant to bother the master. At the well, you have a longer teaching I don't have time to do, but Jacob represents typically the Holy Spirit. Well is source of water, the Spirit, and so what you have is the shepherds want to control the flow of water. And What happens is, since we are the connectors between God and his creation, that is natural for us. We always want to get between the world and God, and we want to be the thing through which God's power flows. That's what we're designed to do. Now, that can be good or it can be bad. 
in the case of the crowd who was getting in the way of the blind man trying to pray to God, it's bad. In the case of the three shepherds who are getting in the way of the flow of the water, it's bad. In the case of religion that gets in the way of your prayers, in other words, you can't talk to God except you go through us. Again, understand that's a universal human tendency because that's what we're designed to do. But just like everything else, you know, sex, whatever it is, it can be made pathological. So, for example, love and sex were given to people for reproduction, for companionship, for joy, all that kind of stuff. Yet Satan is able to pervert it and turn it into something ugly. So everything that we are designed to do can be made ugly. And what we see in today's readings is two cases where the thing that we're designed to do is made ugly. So I will suggest to you that there are two modes of prayer, perhaps the best way to say it. One is functional and the other one is relational. Functional is prayer that serves the function that God designed you to do. So one of the things you should do with prayer is get seed, get the Word of God. In other words, you're asking God for instructions. You're asking for guidance. And of course, the things that God speaks back to you are seed in that sense. But the other thing is you are also making seed because it goes both ways. So if I start to speak something without input from God, what I'm doing is I am making seed and I'm putting it out into the world. Getting seed from God, in other words, getting God's direction, getting God's information, getting God's understanding of a situation, you know, the knowledge, if you will, of good and evil, that's getting seed from God. When I say, I want something to happen, and I speak, I am in fact creating seed. I'm being in the image of God. And there's an example from Psalm 142. At the end of it, it says in verse 6, Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. So what he's saying is, the righteous will surround me, you will deal bountifully with me. He's not asking. He's declaring. So what David is doing is he is creating seed of something he wants to have happen. And he is declaring, the righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Now at the beginning of 142, there's a petition. And it says, with my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. It's a different kind of a prayer. What kind of a prayer is that? It's relational. And that's the other kind of a prayer. And there, what you are doing is you are fulfilling the thing that you're designed to do by being in relationship to God. And there's where you tell him your joys and your problems and you just talk to him. That's relationship. There's no mechanical stuff going on there. The other one is where you're shaping the world. And I heard a bunch of prayers today about the election and about the president-elect and the transition and so forth. What you're doing there 
is you are shaping the world. What you're doing is you're saying, Father, I am saying that this transition will go smoothly. I am saying that there won't be any problems, any insurmountable problems, as this goes forward. I am saying this is going to be successful. I am saying that this is a blessing. I am saying that whoever I want elected is going to be elected. There what you're doing is you're using prayer to shape the world, which is, again, what you're designed to do. That's what God made you to do, is to shape the world. And so what you're doing in that case is you're using your prayers to change things and to affect things and to make the world operate more closely to what you think God would like it to work. And by the way, David says that at the end of Psalm 142. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. And so he's shaping the world. The beginning, he says, with my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy of the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. That's relational. That's David coming to God and saying, this is what's going on in my life. This is what's going on with respect to me. This is what I want you to know about the circumstances that I'm in right now so that you can come to my aid, you can give me comfort, you can do all of the things that we hope for in prayer. Everybody see the difference between functional and relational prayer? They're both really important. And one of the things that will happen in this world, as we had in today's reading, is people will try and get in between you and your prayers. They'll try and shut you up. You can't pray here. Wait a minute, prayer is not appropriate under these circumstances. This is a secular thing. What are you praying for? So one of the things that the world will try and do is stop you from praying or shape your prayers so that it serves somebody else's purpose. But again, remember, God created you because his creation needed a voice. And that's what he created you for. So thing one is don't let people get between you and God when you pray. Because people will try and do that. And the other thing that people will do is they will try and shape your prayers. And they will try and say, this is appropriate to pray about, that's not appropriate to pray about. And again, when people do that, understand that they are also functioning the way God designed them to function, but they are doing it pathologically. And just like anything else, what we have can be perverted. Everything can be perverted. Satan can pervert anything. Now, there's a difference between that and going to somebody for prayer. You don't always know how you should pray, or you may want somebody to join with you in your prayers, or you may be of the impression that somebody's prayers in a given circumstance will be more effective than your own. So, for example, it says in Scripture that the prayer of the righteous avails much. In fact, it says in Scripture that if one of you is sick, he should go to the elder of the church who will anoint him with oil and pray, and that the prayer of the faithful will heal the sick. So there isn't any problem going to somebody else and asking for help in prayer. That's okay. What I'm talking about, the pathological part, is where somebody inserts himself between you and God without your invitation. Two different things. So as you think about prayer, as you think about your relationship to God, it's important to understand that God decided 
that his universe was not going to be complete without one of you. In other words, the universe needs an Eric, the universe needs a Tim, the universe needs a Suzanne. God decided that. And because he decided that, that means that he wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear you speak. He wants you to speak and give his voice a creation because your voice is not like anybody else's voice. Everybody's voice is different. And so the reason you exist is to be in relationship with God and to tend the garden. And both of those things require you to use your voice. Both of those things require you to speak to God. Please consider becoming a sponsor. Please visit crimsonthread.com purpose for an explanation of what we're doing and perhaps to become a sponsor. Thank you. Let us show